Uh, once uh, when I was having uh, a disagreement with a girlfriend, so don't worry, that was in my previous life before I went off to seminary. But I was talking to her and we were having a disagreement and at one point I said to her, you know, I was a lot more right before I started dating you. Some days being a celibate uh, is really not that hard. Sometimes I remind married men that the difference between uh, them and me is just one woman. As a celibate priest, I have to say no to all women. Uh, married men have to say no to all the women in the world minus one. Honestly, marriage is a beautiful thing. I always tell young people who are discerning their vocation, whether it's marriage, priesthood, religious life, consecrated single life, I tell them to make sure that they are running towards a vocation out of love for God and not running away from a vocation out of fear. Today the readings are on marriage and divorce. In the first reading we hear the second story of creation. Now the first story of creation is probably the one that we're most familiar with. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the, so on and so forth and God you know, goes through the seven days of creation. Scholars call this uh, the objective view of creation. But in the second chapter of Genesis we have the second story of creation. Scholars have called this the subjective story of creation. So today's first reading is from the latter part of the second creation story, the latter part of Genesis chapter 2. Now God, after settling Adam in the Garden of Eden, He decides it is not good for Adam to be alone. God brings all the animals and birds before Adam. Now Adam names them. Now in the Bible this means that Adam not only gave each animal and bird a name, but he also would understand them. So Adam was the first scientist or zoologist. The author of Genesis reports that none of the animals or birds were a suitable partner for Adam. Why? Because we human beings are made in the image and likeness of God, and therefore we have rational thought and free will. 1 John chapter 4 verse 8 reminds us that God is love. Now again, I've said this before, but this is not just a cute saying. God literally is love. God the Father loves God the Son. God the Son loves God the Father back. This love is so substantial that it is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So God is love in His very being. Now God's love is so diffusive, He wanted to share it with someone. God did not create humanity because He needed someone to love. He is already loved because there are three persons in the one God. However, again, God's love is so diffusive, He wanted to create a being that would be capable of receiving His love and loving Him back. However, true love requires free will. In order for love to be freely given, there must also be the possibility of it not to be given. That is why even after months or years of dating, it is still nerve-wracking for a man to propose to a woman. Why? Because there's a possibility of her saying no. This is the risk inherent in all true love. Because we are rational beings, we can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, who often speaks through our conscience, we can discern, we can reason, some people use that more than others, uh, what is a good thing to do and what is an evil thing to do. 
Now we do, we share a lot of things with the other animals. Uh, we have uh, cellular structures that look the same. You know, we have brains. Uh, animals often have legs and arms. And yet we are radically different because we are made in the image and likeness of God. Because we have reason and free will. So after Adam realizes that he is alone in the world, God puts Adam into a deep sleep. From Adam's side, God creates Eve. This is a prefigurement of Christ and his bride, the Catholic Church. From Jesus' side, when the soldier pierces Jesus' side, blood and water flow out. The sacraments of initiation, the sacraments of baptism and Eucharist flow from Jesus' side. When God wakes Adam up and brings Eve to Adam, Adam immediately sees someone who is his equal, not the same, different, but equal. Eve too is made in the image and likeness of God. Eve too has reason and free will. Men and women are not the same despite what our society tries to tell us. Men and women are different not just, not just physically, but psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. When Adam sees Eve for the first time, Scott Hahn says Adam's reaction is, Whoa, man. Okay, never mind. That was a bad joke. Moving on. God did not create men and women differently just for the sake of being different, but because in their differences, men and women complement each other. Now, in a fallen world, this difference can sometimes hinder relationships and marriages. But in the beginning, before the fall, before sin entered the world, these differences were an asset. It is these differences between men and women that allow husbands and wives to become one flesh. Again, not just physically, but psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. This is the ideal that Jesus refers to in the Gospel when the Pharisees approach Jesus and ask about divorce. Jesus tells them that this is only because of their hardness of hearts that Moses allowed them to divorce. He then refers back to our first reading. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Jesus says this last line again for emphasis, so they are no longer two but one flesh. Jesus then asks for clarification, therefore what God has joined together no human being must separate. When a friend of mine from college got divorced, I told him to not even look at another woman. I told him that he needed to consider himself so married to his wife until the annulment went through. Now annulment is not Catholic divorce. People get divorced for all sorts of reasons at any time. Annulment means that a sacramental marriage never happened in the first place. When a marriage is annulled, it does not mean that the children are bastard children. A civil marriage happened, but if the church, with the help of the Holy Spirit, after listening to the evidence, determines that a marriage is annulled, it means that there was something on the day of the wedding that prevented a sacramental marriage from taking place, in the, uh, taking place on the day of the wedding. An EDC case would be if the bride and groom were drunk during the ceremony. This would prevent the spouses from freely giving their consent. This would prevent their yes from meaning yes. This is why at wedding rehearsals, I tell the couple uh, that, uh, and the wedding party that they need to uh, come to the wedding sober. Another easy case would be if the uh, one of the spouses was previously married, even 
like in a Vegas chapel. So they would be previously married so they wouldn't be free to marry again. When a couple comes to me for marriage prep, one of the questions we ask is, uh, ask each one is if divorce is an option for them. Obviously divorce is not supposed to be an option. Now certain circumstances could arise where it would actually be healthy for the spouses to live separately, uh, such as abuse in any form, but they should still consider themselves to be married to each other. Divorce is almost always ugly. Lives can be destroyed. Um, I, when I asked my friend in college, uh, from college, how his kids were doing because I'm the godfather of a couple of them, he seemed resigned to the fact already that their lives were already messed up. Spouses must freely choose each other each and every day. Love is ultimately not a feeling but a choice. So, choose, uh, so spouses must choose each other every day. I tell couples uh, preparing for marriage that, you know, if your child has a head injury, like, take care of that, take them to the ER, that's what you need to do. But all things being equal, if you have a choice, uh, equal choice between uh, your children and your spouse, choose your spouse. Now I'm a fan of appropriate uh, PDA in front of the kids. Uh, kids these days all know someone's parents are divorced. They see and know that mom and dad love each other. They know that their home life is safe. Study after study shows that statistically, kids from traditional families are more successful in life. Now that doesn't mean that kids that aren't, you know, can't succeed in life, it's just overall statistically, uh, kids that come from traditional families are more successful. And so family life is only going to be as good as the spouse's marriage. And so spouses, if you need to get a babysitter, go on a date. Husbands, never stop romancing your wives. Flowers are expensive and dumb. They die right away, but do it anyways. Buy them. My theory as to why we are seeing more and more divorces in couples who are in their 50s and 60s is because they have put their children ahead of each other. They are so focused on the kids that once the kids grow up, and leave the home, they don't know each other anymore. For the past 20 to 40 years, their shared mission has been raising the kids. And now that mission is gone, they don't know each other. Once the kids are gone, they suddenly wake up and realize they no longer know who their spouse is. So again, spend time together. The family, the home life is only as strong as the relationship between husband and wife. Now marriage is hard. In some ways, your kids have to like you. For one, they forever owe you. Without you, they wouldn't exist in the first place. In some ways, your spouse, though, does not have to like you. So try and be likable. Don't be a jerk. This is why marriage is a sacrament. This is why couples need the special graces that come from getting married in the church. Marriage is the one sacrament that does not make up for sin. Marriage is the one sacrament that existed before the fall of Adam and Eve, before sin entered the world. In a divorce slash hookup culture that we live in, we need to pray for marriage more now than ever. Marriage, the family is under attack, so pray for the strengthening of marriages. St. Pope John Paul II said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. I think most of us uh, would, uh, would, can see that we live in a broken nation and a broken world. 
Might it be because we live in a world with broken families? This week and always, pray earnestly for marriages, pray for families. Marriage is a beautiful thing. It may not always look pretty, but it is supposed to be a son, an icon of the love of the Trinity. Pray for that to be a reality. And those of you who are married, strive to the best of your ability to make it a reality.